everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. Last week, you heard from historian, speaker, best-selling author, and constitutional expert, David Barton, whose numerous accomplishments are too vast to list. And for those who missed part one of this two-part conversation, please visit jensenebard.com or any of the digital outlets, Roku, Google, Amazon Fire TV, iTunes Podcast, and, of course, Salem Radio Network Satellite Distribution for a wealth of history, information, and inspiration from this incredible guest. Back with us today for part two and more of his just-released This Precarious Moment, Six Urgent Steps That Will Save You, Your Family, and Our Country, in collaboration with co-author James L. Garlow, is founder and president of wallbuilders.com, David Barton. David, welcome back to Testimony. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me back. It's an honor to have you back here, sir. If I may, I would like to read from page 215, first paragraph, subtitle, What Happened, and I quote, The de-Christianizing of American public life and the open rejection of our historic biblical foundations has resulted in a nation exploding in crime, sexual anarchy, wrecked homes and lives, now leaving massive human pain and carnage in its wake. Who is to blame for the dramatic downturn of American culture? David Barton, your thoughts. Well, that downturn really comes back to we the people. Now, what's happened is we live in a culture right now that is really very good at paralyzing us. And let me just give an example. If you watch media on TV, and it doesn't matter whether you watch Fox or MSNBC or CNN or Bloomberg, it doesn't matter. What you get is a steady 24-7, 365 diet of national news. And you see what's happening at the national level. You see what's happening with race relations, or you see what's happening with the court reversing the definition of marriage that we've had for literally 5,500 years. Or you see what's happening with bathrooms and kids in school having one locker room, and, and you're saying, that's not right. But here's the problem we have. We see that. And, you know, I'm very well connected in Washington, D.C. There's probably 100 members of Congress I consider to be very good friends. I can't pick up the phone and call the Supreme Court and say, hey, guys, what are you doing on that marriage decision? And, and I, can't call, I can't call Mitch McConnell and say, Mitch, you got 500 bills the House has passed. Why don't you get some of them through the Senate? I, I just, there's nothing I can do with that. And so what happens is because we can't do that, we become really kind of incapacitated. We're, we're just frozen. And we fail to see that that's not where the problem is. That's where we see the problem, but the problem is much, much closer to home. It's much more local. As a matter of fact, I love pointing to the American Revolution when they had all the tyranny from the British and everything was going on. You had the first battle, the Battle of Lexington, the second battle was the Battle of Concord, and the third battle was the Road to Boston. And all these battles, Bunker Hill, everything else, nobody called the Commander-in-Chief and said, hey, Commander-in-Chief, you're the national head. What do you want us to do? They all said, no, 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 this is our community. We'll take care of it. 
And so the Battle of Lexington was the Reverend Jonas Clark getting 70 guys from his church to go out and face the British. The Battle of Concord was the Reverend William Emerson saying, this is my town. He got 300 guys in his church. They went out and faced the British. The same on the road to Boston, the same with Bunker Hill, Reverend Francis Willard. So we understood that if everybody takes care of what's at their house and what's in their community, the nation will be healthy. We won the American Revolution not by fighting a national battle. We fought all the local battles and won them. And so that's what we have lost today in the way that we are really trained with national media. We see national stories, and we focus on national problems and national issues. And you know what? I can't make Iran do what they should toward Israel, and I wish I could. That's not the solution. The solution is much more local. And that's really what we point out in the book, is we got these national problems, but you won't solve them nationally. You'll solve them at a local level. Um, I love the Bible verse in Luke where Scripture says, now the axe is laid to the root. You know, we're seeing a lemon tree, and we don't like lemons on the tree, and so we keep picking the lemons. Well, that doesn't kill the tree. You've got to lay the axe to the root. And so what we're dealing with in America right now is we keep trying to pick the fruit off the tree and kill the tree by picking the fruit, which will never do it. We're not going back to the roots. And, and that's really what we do in, in the book is, okay, how did education get to where it is? How are we now raising a generation of millennials that what they believe has been proven 100% of the time in history to destroy a nation, but they don't know that? So how do we fix that educational problem? How do we fix what's going to immigration with 11 million illegals here? And not all of those people are bad-intentioned or bad-hearted by any way, shape, fashion, or form. Some have great intentions. But how do we get that problem of 11 million since, I mean, when Reagan fixed this, it was only 3 million. And we said we'd never again have this problem. Now here we are 25 years later with 11 million. How do we get here? And this is where... We see big problems with the nation, but we don't go back to see what the root of those problems was and, and lay the axe to the root. And that's what we have to do individually as citizens. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to heralded historian David Barton, founder and president of wallbuilders.com, his latest must-read, This Precarious Moment. David, in your book, This Precarious Moment, you address six particular issues, racial healing, immigration, millennials, a Judeo-Christian nation, the church, and Israel. If you had to pick just one specific area that you deem the most critical in turning our nation around and the minds of our youth and pastors and adults, parents, teachers, all of us, what would it be and why? That's a good question. There's several things that go parallel, but I would put the church at the first first line because when the church if the church goes sour and christians go sour you've got no basis from which to do biblical precepts and the rest of it you can't and by the way let me just point out the bible is very good at giving solutions in every area now we're at a point in america today where only 14 percent of christians read the bible on a daily basis only 10 percent of christians have a biblical worldview only four percent of millennials have a biblical worldview so we don't know much about the Bible except what other people told us, because we haven't read it. But the Bible, one of the significant things about the Bible is that, that God, he took his people out of slavery in Egypt, got them out in the desert, and said, okay, I'm going to make a nation out of it. You're all a bunch of former slaves. You don't have a clue how government works. Let me show you. And so what he did was he gave them 613 laws on how to run a nation. And those laws deal with military. They deal with foreign affairs. They deal with economics and taxation. They deal with immigration, they deal with education, they deal with everything. And any time you apply God's principles, you alleviate human suffering, 
you increase human happiness. It's, it, it's just the way it always is. But today we think, well, the Bible doesn't have anything to, to say uh, about you know race relations the way they are today. I mean, you got cops shooting all these these black folks, and the Bible doesn't talk about. No, that's because you haven't read it, or somebody's told you it doesn't. And so I, I think the first solution is is accepting the fact that God does not want his people to suffer and go through what they do, and he has given solutions to help us avoid that. But you can't apply those solutions if you don't know what they are, and you don't know what they are if Christians won't be Christians and if the church won't be the church. And at this point, we're looking at, at literally we're only 2.8% of pastors, and we have 384,000 pastors in America, senior pastors and churches. 72% say they do not believe the Bible, and 28% say they do. That's 100,000. That's good. Out of that, 90% say they will not talk about what the Bible talks about if that issue has also appeared in the news. So now we're letting the news decide what we do and don't talk about out of the Bible. We find that only 2.8% of pastors today are willing to address what the Bible addresses if it's, all, if it's also been in the news. So if the Bible does not become understood not as just a book of salvation, but as a book of economics, you know, where do we get the free market system out of the Bible? Most people cannot point to the Bible verse that condemns the progressive income tax or the Bible verse that condemns the estate tax or the Bible verse that condemns the capital gains tax or the Bible verse that affirms capitation taxes. The Bible's great on economics, what it says about debt, what it says about nations being in debt. We just don't know that. So if I were to choose one thing, I would say it has to go back to those institutions that can help apply and teach and help people understand biblical solutions, which have, across the course of 5,500 years recorded history, that's been what works. And if we don't do that, then government's going to flounder around trying to find a solution for immigration or for racial relations or for relations with Israel, or they're going to try to find a solution for education, and, and it won't be based in, in things that work. So that's why I would probably say the church, and particularly Christians in the church, uh, it's got to be the number one solution, and, and that's why we focus as much as we do on that one area. That's a great answer. And so to summarize what you just said, pastors have basically abdicated their spiritual and integral authority. Yeah, they are the products of what they've been taught, and seminaries have done a really lousy job of, of teaching what the Bible teaches. They now teach more in pedagogy. Of those 28% of pastors who do believe the Bible, when you ask those 28% of pastors, how do you know if your church is successful, the top five answers, none of them come out of the Bible. But this is what we've been taught on how to have a successful church, and we're not using the Bible as the basis. And so we've moved away from discipleship, which is the command of Jesus and the Great Commission, make disciples of all people, and we no longer train them on what the Bible says about so many of these issues. And so with pastors having moved away now, I will say this, I firmly believe America's in a national revival right now. I think there's no doubt about it. I think I can statistically prove that. But I will also point out that in every other revival we had in America, the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, the turn-of-the-century revivals, the church was always the last to come on board. As a matter of fact, the church fought the revivals for the great part of them because they said, that's not the way we do it. That's not the way we've been taught. That's not the way we were trained. And so George Whitfield, that's one of the reasons in the First Great Awakening, he had to preach in outdoor meetings because the pastors so opposed him, said, we don't do this kind of stuff. That's not what the church does. And it was Whitfield who eventually won them over, and in the last 10 years of the Great Awakening, the church started participating. The same with the Second Great Awakening. 
So I think the church will eventually get on board. They will be irrelevant for a while, as they were in those other two revivals. This is their time to start becoming relevant again. And we show them exactly how they can, how to embrace what's going on, how to get back to what the Bible actually says rather than what their traditions are. And if the church will do that, then the last part of this national revival will be explosive in a good sense, as it was in the First and the Second Great Awakening, when it did so much to end slavery in the Second Great Awakening, and so much to, to bring freedom and independence in the First Great Awakening. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to best-selling author, speaker, renowned historian, and founder of WallBuilders.com, David Barton, whose latest best-selling, in collaboration with co-author James L. Garlow, This Precarious Moment is a must, and I would say, critical read. You can learn more about David Barton's work, ministry, and mission by visiting WallBuilders.com and get his book, This Precarious Moment, You will be blessed you did. David, it has been an absolute honor having you share just a little of your story, the story of our nation, why we are, where we are, but more importantly, what now? Your book, This Precarious Moment, in collaboration with Dr. Jim Garlow, makes the case, and powerfully so, that through the biblically-based values on which our nation was founded, and a return to our spiritual roots. Nothing shall be impossible. And with God at the center, nothing is impossible. We thank you, and God bless you. Thanks so much, and thanks for having me, and thanks for all you do. God bless. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensine Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony.